0: synonymous in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. It's part of our God's Empowering Presence series. Around the world today, Pentecost is being celebrated. Being celebrated is the fulfillment of prophecy of the end time harvest that the purposes of God since the beginning of the world, that they will be fulfilled, that Disciples from all nations and all nations will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the overarching theme from the Garden of Eden to the book of Revelation that the gospel will be preached. God's kingdom will be established once Jesus Christ comes back, but it's established already in our hearts. Praise his name. And the promise of the Father is a unique promise to empower you and me and his church. To accomplish God's purposes. It's unique because it's the only time in Scripture that anything is called the promise of the Father. Children have a, in healthy families, have a special relationship with their dads. My, uh, my dad was my hero growing up. I remember, you know, and it's it's really cool. I remember when Muhammad Ali was known as Cassius Clay. And he refused to be inducted um, on into the service, and uh, I just I didn't understand that I was 11 or 12 years old, and there's something that I've since let me back up. I've since come to admire him as one of the greatest athletes of all time, and he certainly was a showman, but there's something when I was 11 or 12 years old I couldn't stand the guy, and I just thought he was too braggadocious and the whole thing and. And I thought if only my father could get in the ring with him, he'd teach him a lesson, just like he's taught me a lesson more than once. That was my dad. I knew somehow that my dad at 200 pounds, and that wasn't all lean, hard muscles, and five foot eleven. he could take care of business, and he'd teach that man a few things. The relationship with my dad began a long, long time ago. My father, uh, we grew up in the state of Maine till I was about nine and a half years old, and I'd never had seen a game of baseball on TV because we didn't own any televisions. We still knew people, including my grandparents, who uh, some didn't have electricity and some still used. They didn't have indoor plumbing. And when I went to grade school, and they were playing this funny game called baseball, and I was instantly hooked. And I come home and I told my dad, and my dad was a great, I, I don't like to admit this, but he was and is a great Yankees fan. And he has, he has his scrapbooks from, with pictures of the, of the Yankees back in, all the way back to the 1930s. Murderer's Row is in there, and I mean Lou Gehrig and all of them. He, I mean, he's absolutely diehard. And... Uh, And so I asked my dad if he would play baseball with me. And dad was pastoring a church, small country church. I'd never seen a game. There was no such thing as Little League. Where we lived, there were more cows than there were people. And I mean that. They outnumbered them probably at least 10 to 1. And so in that churchyard, that stony old gravelly churchyard, my dad got a baseball for me. And we'd play catch. And he'd promised me, because he was bivocational to raise put food on the table, he worked whatever he could. He worked doing carpenter work, he'd work in the potato fields, whatever he had to, but he'd promise me, and I'd make him promise, Dad, when you come home from work, will you play ball with me? And he would. Every night he'd come home, play ball. And and then he spotted this thing at, at, it wasn't the Kmart, it was some elephant mart or something they used to call it up there, this throwback thing for baseball. You know what I'm talking about. And he bought one for me. And it was absolutely fabulous because I could throw catch all day long to myself. You learn to get along with yourself when there's more cows than people. In fact, the churchyard was surrounded by cows. It's just the way it is, the pasture. And then I told him I, I wanted a baseball bat. And I don't know uh, why, but he didn't buy a baseball bat. It might have been that finances were tight. I do know later on when we moved to Pennsylvania, we wanted to join the Boy Scouts. We couldn't because it cost $12 for the uniform, and there simply was no money. We wore secondhand shoes and clothes and the whole deal. So my dad got a piece of lumber, and he carved it into a baseball bat and gave that to me. And now I remember I was equipped that I could play baseball. And I'd hit that thing, and I'd hit it to him. And then we moved to Pennsylvania. We were nine and, I was nine and a half years old. And I'll never forget one of the best presents that I ever received. He went to the Grant. How many remember the Grant? Was it five in the Grant stores? How many remember those Grant stores? And he bought a baseball glove for me. And I took that baseball glove, and I would not let it out of my sight. I slept with it at night. I'd even sleep with my hand in it so it would break in better. I, was, I felt thoroughly equipped. And then there's Little League, and I joined the Little League, and I made the cut. There were so many kids that played baseball in Pennsylvania, that even in Little League you had to make the cut. And I made the cut, and I never played before. And I remember the first time I got up to bat that all of that practice in that gravelly, shaly yard of, of Maine, With that hand-carved bat paid off, and my first at-bat, I hit a sharp line drive to left field, and I got on base. It was the best hit I ever had in my entire life. (laughs) But my dad had a promise for me, and he equipped me. The Scripture says that our Heavenly Father has a promise for you and for me. It's the only thing that he has chosen to call a promise It's the gift of the Spirit or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for those who are far off. It's part of Pentecost is one of the great phenomenas of the the world since the time of Christ. No other religion has grown like Christianity. From in one century's time, from the 20th century, In one century, to the dawn of the 21st century, 500 million believers are now classified as being spirit-filled, charismatic, or Pentecostal. And in 1996, there were 400, the missiologists tell us, and I like to source things rather than just say things, the best missiologist, David Barrett was one of them, said that, there were 450 million Pentecostals worldwide. Today, 20 years later, there are almost 750 million people who have received the gift of the Spirit, the promise of the Father. Can someone say amen? 750 million people and the world, the world listen to me. The world has never seen such a growth of Christianity even in the days of the early church when you compare what's happening we're living in the end times the purposes of god that he is not willing that any should perish but that this gospel would be preached to all the world and that we would go and make disciples and teaching them about jesus and baptizing them in all the nations that's god's desire and i'm so thankful that with the promise of the father that he is equipping his church to do just that. Praise his name. Can someone say, Praise the Lord? Amen. I want to share this morning three things with you about, about the promise of the Father. And I understand that, I understand that, that there are different teachings and different doctrines, and I humbly submit this to you, not for your perusal, but for your faith, that your faith will be built. We believe that God's Word teaches the promise of the Father or the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for all believers. It is called the gift of the Spirit and is different from the work of the Spirit at salvation. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, this promise of the Father, it is a definite work of God after salvation where we are filled and clothed with the Spirit's power to become powerful witnesses of Jesus to exercise the gifts of the Spirit as though Jesus himself were present. In the night that Jesus was betrayed, you you can read this beginning in John chapter 13, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. In those few short hours, Jesus left to the church, to his disciples, the things that were important and what he's talked mostly about Was the gift of the Spirit that he would send. He said, I have to go so that I can send the Spirit, the advocate, along with you. He said, I have to go so that when the Spirit comes through me and through the Holy Spirit's power, you will do greater works than what I have done because of the empowering of the Spirit. Are we greater than Jesus? No, we're not greater than Jesus. But we need the empowerment of the Spirit of God to do the works that Jesus has called us to do. Praise His name. And I believe that we are to follow the example of the early followers of Jesus and earnestly seek and prioritize this wonderful gift that's only given to the people of God. Praise His name. One of the wonderful things about it is it's not a proprietary gift teaching, or possession of a denomination. It is for all people everywhere, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. The first thing I want to share with you this morning in your notes in the program, and I, I, I just encourage you and urge you if you would take notes this morning and you can fill them in and then in your devotions this week that as you pray that you just go over and these and that you meditate upon them. So the first thing is this, it is the promise of the Father, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Jesus had gathered them together. He was about to go up into heaven and they didn't know it. And he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. And I thought, how many times have I heard in my adult lifetime people who have fixed the second coming of Jesus Christ? How many know what I'm talking about? Why waste sideways energy in something that Jesus doesn't even know, only the Father knows? So whenever someone says that Jesus is coming on March the 3rd, whenever it is, I just say, well, I don't have anything to worry about on that day. Alright, I can't sin or anything, but I'm not, I'm not worried about anything. But He said, but you shall receive. He said, this is that the focus should be for the people of God. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And by the way, as you study the book of Acts, I believe that this is descriptive, and I believe that because the book of Acts has no end, it's purposeful, and that the church should be carrying on the work of the God to the other, uh, work of the Lord, the uttermost part of the earth. And in the book of Acts, there's actually seven different movements of expansion and when the Spirit of God does something in a special way. So the first thing is, the promise of the Father was promised by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. and you can find this in Joel chapter two, verses 26 through 28. And in the second chapter of Acts, I, I'm just, uh, just going to be in Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two. On the day of Pentecost, there was, uh, I don't know, 13 or 15 different languages, and they began to speak in other tongues, and people around them thought they were drunk. There was 120. Uh, believers, and Peter get up and it said, this is not what you think it is. Uh, They're not drunk, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. So they're not drunk, but he said, this is that. And he connected it to the prophecy of Joel, and, and he said this in verse number 17, And it shall be in the last days, God says. The prophet prophesied, but God said it. That I will pour forth of my spirit upon all mankind or all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my bond slaves. Both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And then verses 19, 20, and 21, he's talking about the great and terrible day of the Lord when. when when God's judgment visits this earth and there will be signs in the heaven, etc. And so the first thing is it was prophesied by the prophet Joel. The second thing is that it's so important that Jesus told his disciples to go but to wait. Go but wait. The, The gift of the Spirit, the promise of the Father... Church, I want us us to get this. It is is a missionary promise to prepare us and to empower us to be His witnesses in all the world, beginning in our own homes and our own family. The gift of the Spirit is, is is, is the gift of the Spirit Himself, an empowering experience from God to His disciples to empower us. Jesus went on to say, so we can receive the Holy Spirit power to accomplish His work. We are called to go where Jesus calls us to go. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish His work. I will say this is important to believe. Sometimes we connect, we connect methods um, with being baptized in the Spirit. Or we connect manifestations with being baptized in the Spirit. And, and it's interesting around the world um, as the gift of the Spirit has, has come upon and Jesus has baptized people in the Holy Spirit, different manifestations. For instance, my understanding in the country of Chile, who had a sovereign move of God in the early 1900s, the manifestation there is for social justice. Most Americans in the church, we don't think that much about social justice. I was so glad to see the video this morning about one of the people who are being sent and we're partnering with them, even if it's lipstick, to, and, and got that. It's not used lipstick. Everyone got that? Okay, ladies, the colors you don't like, you can't throw that in, in the thing. All right. But it manifests itself in different ways, and God, God knows. Uh, I'm, I'm not there to uh, thank God. I don't have to get into that. It's that the Spirit wills. The second major thing is this, is that Jesus pours out, it is Jesus that pours out the gift of the Spirit. Acts chapter two verses one through four. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, from heaven, a noise, like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. It's interesting to note in the rest of the book of Acts, um, the rest of the book of Acts, there, there are three signs here. One was the, the rushing, violent wind that came and filled the house, the other was the tongues of fire. Um, Those were signs. We never see them again. But we do see the speaking in tongues every time that it's mentioned they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a reason for that. I'll I'll get to that in just just a little bit. And so, and then in verse number 33, Peter got up and he's preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he, he is talking about Jesus Christ. And he says this in verse 33, Therefore, having been exalted... To the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured forth this, which you both see and hear. I want to I want to explain something to us. I think that will help this morning. Um, we don't often think in these terms, but actually, in the life of the believer, uh, and in what the, God's Word tells us there. There are three, or should be three, different baptisms. Let me explain it to you this way. How many have been baptized in water? Just let me see your hands for a moment. Okay. All right. And our next water baptism is uh, June the 25th at the Arena Club. It's an outdoor venue. It's a great summer splash. a wonderful night. And everyone who's not followed the Lord in water baptism since... Uh, Placing your faith and trust in Him. Jesus commanded us to be baptized in water. It's going to be a wonderful night. Uh, We do that before the the water slides and the volleyball games and all the other things that go on. But when someone is baptized in water, the, the person who does that, in my instance, I'm the baptizer. And you come and you we we baptize by immersion and and if you've been baptized in immersion how many know there's just a moment that's a little bit scary how many know that when in other words you you have to rely on this person and and we you know we actually give a class like like how to hold yourself and uh, and the reason most people are scared so I don't have to we don't have to tell them to hold tight they're scared anyway so it gives me a good handle that's what I'm getting at so. But I hold you like this, and, and I take your arm, and I say, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you surrender, and you go under the water. You're baptized in, and certainly you're baptized with, and you rise as a witness that you've been buried to Christ, and you're following Him in newness of life. It's absolutely wonderful. When we are baptized, when we are when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we're born again, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, uh, 13 12. 13, 12. Let me check my notes just to be sure. Uh, 1 Corinthians um, 12, 13. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 tells us this. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, that we have all been baptized By the Spirit into the body of Christ. When we come and we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ at salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. How many understand that they place us into the body of Christ? In the gift of the Father, the promise of the Father, the gift of the Spirit... Peter says that he has poured this out. Jesus Christ is the baptizer. He takes you and me, and he baptizes us into the Spirit of God in and with. He pours it out in our life so that we are filled and empowered and clothed with this dunamis from on high, this power from on high. Praise his name. Does that help you understand what baptism is? Uh, well, thank you. Yeah. All right. It's a gift after salvation that opens up new horizons in God. It enlarges our heart and faith. Faith to do works for Him. I was, uh, we, we were down at, at North Fulton Avenue. And, and honest, that's a place for a lot of people, if, if you're driving by, you hear automatic door locks just click click it's it can be a scary place although the real truth of the matter is even in the the worst parts of the inner city most of the residents are good people but a lot of hopelessness and thuggery and drug dealing has taken over but they're good people most of the residents that are there and so as we were there and and we came upon the the building that we're going to work in and I'm so grateful, Uh, so many of of the ones that were with us that day from grace were young men. Young men who just love the Lord with all their hearts. We're working, there's about 35 people, but I thought to myself, "This this is the gates of hell. And the kingdom of God is something that is upside down. We see through a lens of prosperity, and if we serve in this place... Uh, we'll climb up the corporate ladder, and we'll go here and here and the, and and I believe you, me. North Fulton Avenue. It's not a stepping stone. It's not. There's not even a rung on the ladder for that address. No one goes there so they can climb their way up the denominational corporate ladder. That's not what it's about. But you have someone like the De Blasio's that love the Lord and are serving, and they are just beaming. They were just beaming and overwhelmed by the amount of help the Assemblies of God. We've come together as a network. There were 35 on Friday. I don't know how many were yesterday, how many there were on Thursday. And we're transforming that place into an extreme makeover. We thank God for it. It opens us up to new realms to say, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. So many of you know the story that when Chris and I, when we came to plant this church, I even, I, when, when we came, we were very established in Western Pennsylvania and I, I, I don't need to less than regale you with any type of accomplishments, but I was 39 and four daughters showing up from age four to 14 and even some people in our own networks. They're looking at me like, what's wrong with you? You must be leaving something behind. No one moves from another state with the promise of nothing to start something. Something, come on now, what are you, are you hiding something? Did you get run out of town or whatever? No, I was not run out of town, but I was called by God to go to a place that God has put in my heart. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit enlarges our heart so that we will take risk for God and say, Lord, I'm willing to go. When He says who will go for me, we say, Lord, here I am, send me. Praise His name. It's accompanied, it is accompanied with speaking in other tongues. It's not to be a point of pride. Some say, well, I got my heavenly language and this, that, and the other. But what the gift of or what the speaking in other tongues is about, the Bible's very clear. It is a missionary sign that we are empowered to witness for Jesus. Praise God. It does give to us a heavenly language. And that's why the Spirit, the scripture says we can build ourselves up in the faith praying in the Spirit. Because when we pray with the Spirit, we pray with tongue, our minds are bypassed. The Bible, our minds become unfruitful and God goes directly to the heart of our matter and we can pray to God in a language, it's a heavenly language that is not understood by the enemy of our soul. It opens up a new horizon for us. There, you don't have to worry about it anymore and neither do I. but it's also a gateway to the power and vocal gifts of the spirit 1st corinthians 12:8 through 11 these are the, the there's several lists of the gifts of the spirit but these are called vocal gifts and power gifts of healing and miracles and prophecy and tongues and interpretation wisdom and knowledge it's i've often said if i if i'm sick and i'm going to be prayed for for healing I want to be prayed for by people who believe that God heals today. How about you? I don't want to be prayed for by some high-profile people in the United States who have wonderful teachings except when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit and they just get, my goodness, like their fangs come out. God doesn't heal anymore. It's all psychosomatic. The worst form of scholarship, God has healed my body. God has healed this body, my body. It's not psychosomatic. God has physically healed me. God has healed people in this congregation who are living proof of a loving God, praise His name. My question is, why are you so angry when someone gets healed? Does it upset your little belief? that you've worked so hard on, we serve a living, powerful God who is, as we said, He is unstoppable and He nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible to Him that believes. Praise His name. I would rather believe and receive than doubt and be without. Amen. Praise God. God's promise is for you the third major thing is for you and all believers. Peter concluded his message in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children. For all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And Daniel, I'm going to have the band come, if you would. The the promise of the Father, the gift of the Spirit, leaves, causes an energized faith, Spirit-energized faith, made to travel everywhere. You don't have to go to seminary to experience. I was in, uh, last night, this has been, la- last couple of days has been really something. We're in, it looked like me, the gates of hell in Baltimore. Yet God is raising people. Jared Michaels, I want to have young Jared come, he's just ordained, with city beat put in his heart to minister to the prostitutes and to build a church oh my goodness god said to him he told me said pastor paul i want a church he said my desire was a young man to build a mega church I, I believe he has the talents to do it and he said god got a hold of my life and the spirit said to me i don't want you to build a mega church i want you to build a church for those people that no one wants They're like weeds on the side of the road. We were at the Spanish Language Bible Institute last night. Really well done as in Trinity Life. They have 40-some students. Most of them are first-generation immigrants. Most of them, for so many of them, our society, our culture views them. that We don't even see them. They're like weeds on the side of the road. But do you know in God's sight, there's no weeds. Everyone is made in His image. Do you know that I read an article in the National Geographic a few years back that Pentecost has so invaded the Amazon that up and down the Amazon River, and this was 20-some years ago, there were 20 million Assembly of God believers, 20 million in one country let alone all the others of them that are going on. There's 25 million now. They did an article and they said there's two religions that are driving this huge Central American country. One is Catholicism and the other was the Assemblies of God. In every remote village, there'd be a a Catholic church and there'd be an Assembly of God church. This gospel will be preached. This is something that's happened since the turn of the century. And so it's made to travel everywhere. And I looked at those first-generation immigrants and the whole service was in Spanish. And I didn't understand a whole lot, but I surely understood the Spirit. And I've met some of them and I've talked with them through an interpreter. Do you know that they come together every Monday night and they study until 10.30? Some drive in from Pennsylvania. And I've talked with some of them that because they don't have an education, they work with their hands and they get they go there at 10:30 then they drive back to Washington DC and they're up at 3:30 the next morning to go clean offices for the prevailing culture 4 years it's taken them 4 years and this is a religion that's made to travel everywhere Harvey Cox from Harvard wrote a book called called Fire from Heaven Reshaping of spirituality in the 21st century and they've come to the conclusion that at the present curve and rate we can hold on to our doctrines and our traditions and we can deny that god is unstoppable and that god heals and that god works in power anymore while this world goes to hell in a handbasket but they he has concluded and many scholars have concluded honest scholars that unless we have an infusion of the Spirit of God, we cannot fulfill the Great Commission. But in our lifetime, we're seeing this gospel explode around the world by people who say, yes, Lord, I want what you have for me. That's the big picture. In Acts, every time the Spirit of God was poured out on a group, all are baptized, all are baptized. Acts chapter 2 that we've read, 8, 14, through seventeen, you could read that they received the word of God, but the church sent up the apostles and said, "Have you received the gift of the Spirit since you believe?" They said, "No, we we don't know." And they laid hands on them, and they began to they were all filled. Acts ten forty four through forty eight at Cornelius' house to the Gentiles. Peter said, "He said, while I was preaching the word of God, and they received it." They received it by faith. They also began to, the Spirit fell on them, just like us at the beginning, and they all spoke in tongues, and we heard them. Acts 19, verses 1 through 6 in Ephesus. Paul went up to Ephesus. He found a group of believers. They had received the word of God, and he said, If you receive the gift of the Spirit since you believe, they said, We don't even know that there's a gift of the Spirit. What is it? And he explained to them and he laid hands on them that they would be baptized in the gift of the Spirit and they began to speak another tongue. It's a missionary sign but it's also a sign of surrender to the Lord being moved in a realm that God has that comes to this gift. The good news, church, is this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off and yes, it's for you praise His name today. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning, and I just want to open these altars up, and I'd like to see the altars filled. There are several in the first service that were came to present themselves to the Lord. If your desire is to be baptized in the Spirit, if you've not, if you've not been baptized in the Spirit, receive the promise of the Father, the gift of the Spirit, since salvation. This promise is for you. I'm going to ask many of you to come. Those who have, if you come, if you just stand next to someone and pray with them, just quietly pray with them. And this is this is what we're going to do. Would you, would you just start coming right now as the bands play? Would you just start coming? Would you fill these altars across the front here? Just draw them close. Just come if you would. Step out. We'll encourage other people to come. Just come quickly if you would. Just come. Just come quickly. Yes, thank you. Yeah, to be filled or to be refilled with the Spirit. And I want you to come up close if you would. Come up close. Just come. There's three things. Number one is to ask in faith. Lord, you've promised this. By faith, I, you said if we ask, you'll give. Secondly, Lord, is to receive. Say, Lord, I receive by faith. I receive by faith. Jesus, would you pour out on my life what our heavenly Father's promise? And the third is begin to speak by faith. What I found in my own life is I just begin to worship Jesus, just begin to love the Lord. Say, I want you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I surrender my life to you. I want you more than anything else. What happens is that. You'll just, you'll find that your words aren't adequate to begin to praise God. And, and, and you'll find that if, perhaps even with stammering lips or tongue, you just, it's okay. It, that, God's doing a work. You just speak in faith. is all it is. You just speak in faith. And let God have his way in our heart. Praise his name. Amen. Just begin to love the Lord right now as the band plays and focus on Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank yeah.